Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Hey guys, and welcome into another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnata, with you as always. And today, it is time to get you ready for Carolina's trip to Charlottesville as they get ready to take on the Virginia Cavaliers and begin the final quarter of their season, the final four-game stretch of the regular season before they uh, hopefully will end up in Charlotte to play for an ACC championship. Carolina comes into this game on Saturday with a chance to clinch the division if they pick up the win over Virginia, a Duke loss, a Georgia Tech loss, and a Miami loss uh, here on Saturday. But Carolina will be facing an extremely tough challenge. Mac Brown has never beaten Virginia in Charlottesville, including the last matchup back in 2020. Carolina, of course, was rolling at that point in the season. They had uh, once again, you know, they had shaken off uh, the loss that they had to Florida State earlier in the year. It looked like Carolina was back on track, and Brennan Armstrong and the Virginia Cavaliers got them in that game, sets Carolina back, uh, still made the Orange Bowl, but uh, Carolina looking to not let the Cavaliers stand in their way this time. Uh, and uh, this is this is a huge one, bud. And here's the thing, as I welcome in my partner, uh, Josh Marlowe, here uh, for this edition of the podcast. It's uh, To me, it's, it's shocking that Mac Brown has never won against Virginia um, in Charlottesville. I... I I thought somewhere along the way, knew they lost in 96 and, you know, a game that is very well known. Mac Brown brought it up in his presser the other day that that's one of the ones that still haunts him. That game, the 2008 loss while at Texas to Texas Tech, and of course last year's game against NC State, but I don't think most Tar Heel fans, most newer Tar Heel fans that have maybe gone back and looked at the history but don't know it as well as some of the older fans, probably knew that Mac Brown, we talk about you know some of the schools that he struggled against. Notre Dame's been one that's been a thorn in his side. Um, it, it, one that has definitely been has been Florida State. He has never beaten them ever, um, his you know school that he attended. But this is one that's kind of sneaky that he has never really had that much success against. It's a big reason why the program didn't get where we wanted them to get to when he was here the first time. Uh, when we were first getting introduced to Tar Heel football, I think it was the 2010 year, was the year they snapped that 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 losing streak that dated back at least to the 80s, I think, of the last time they had won a road game against Virginia. And look, to their credit, in the mid-90s, Virginia was a respectable football program. Um, and this, this was during the time where he was building Carolina – two of those back-to-back years that eventually got him the Texas job. So, like, it, it, it's surprising, but it's not because 
you know, he took over a program that, you know, wasn't very good and they struggled for a few years and then he built them to be very good. And while we were very good, so were they. And, and that's a big reason why uh, it didn't happen. And then, you know, this, you know, since he's come back, you know, you, you, you lost at, at, at their place during the pandemic year. Um, and that was after, they he lost his first year back, and that's why when we were at the game last year in Keenan Stadium, there was a different emotion in in the stadium that night because while they're not our main rival, we 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 view State and Duke and even Wake Forest probably as our three primary rivals. It's the oldest game in the uh, the oldest rivalry game that's played in the South. You're damn right it is, and it it, it means it means a lot, and, and so that's where we get frustrated because this game does mean a lot to us and. It sucks losing it more often than not. Yeah, and and the streak that you mentioned, by the way, Carolina did not win a game in Charlottesville from 1981 all the way until that 2010 win. Now, they alternated most years. There was one stretch. They played back-to-back years in Charlottesville in 93 and 94. Um, so there, I mean, there was a stretch where Virginia had a ton of success against Carolina, but then from 2010 all the way through 2016, Carolina won seven straight against Virginia. The Cavaliers then countered by winning four straight against Carolina. Of course, the final two years uh, that Larry Fedora was there, and the first two years of Mac Brown being on campus. But Carolina got it back in the right direction last year with a 59-39 win. Remember, we at the time, that was a huge win for Carolina. Still early in the season. It was just their third game of the year. But I think to turn the series back in that direction was huge. And now you wonder, is there another streak that is on hand? Is this kind of what this series is going to be uh, once again? So Carolina hoping to finally find a way to get Mac Brown's first win there uh, in Scott Stadium. And it's against a team that, look, this Virginia team uh, is not good. Uh, here's all you need to know about the Virginia Cavaliers presented by DraftKings. Make sure you head over to DraftKings.com. Use the promo code TPPN. We'll tell you a little bit more about that here in a minute. But this is a Virginia team that is three and four, three and five so far this year. Excuse me, one and four in conference, um, and nowhere near uh, what we thought that they could be. Uh, especially, you know, I, I was I'm stunned by the fact that they are not a good offensive football team. Um, they are averaging 16.9 points per game, uh, 359.9 yards of total offense, 228.3 passing yards per game and 131.6 rushing yards per game. And you may ask, well, why are you shocked that they are not a good offensive team? Well, first of all, under Bronco Mendenhall, very good offensive team. Team that really, really struggled defensively. They brought in new head coach. But Tony Elliott's a guy that comes over from Clemson as an offensive coordinator. So kind of shocking that this offense hasn't kind of picked up where it left off a year ago. Reason why, man, their offensive line is really, really bad. Believe it or not, they really, if you look at the the, the tackle for loss and sack statistics, they're not really as high up there as you would think, more middle of the country. But in terms of pressures allowed throughout the year, uh, it is honestly mind-blowing. All five starters on the offensive line so far this year have allowed double-digit pressures. Also, uh, they do have more than a few guys that have played rotational reps that have allowed at least five pressures as well. It is, I mean, honestly, it is astonishing. I know they've got a lot of guys down there that are young, but this was a group that under Bronco Mendenhall had some really promising offensive line prospects. I know, you know, a lot of those guys left. Um, You lost their center. Um, I'm forgetting how to pronounce his name. Uh, so I won't. To Michigan, you lost Ryan Swoboda, your offensive tackle. He was in the transfer portal. I forget where he actually ended up transferring to. Um, but th- this was a-, a team a year ago that you know we-, we knew would be able to hold up in pass protection. They did against Carolina. It allowed Brennan Armstrong to throw for 554 yards in the game a year ago. Carolina still found a way to win that one. But Brennan Armstrong this year... 
nowhere near as successful as he was a year ago. It doesn't make a lot of sense when you factor in how good of an offensive coach Tony Elliott was at Clemson. You look at the wide receiving core that they have there in Charlottesville, there's talent and depth there. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, it hasn't come together. And, you know, a lot of that is, yeah, you got a new head coach. And so sometimes you see this happen. And, look, Brennan Armstrong is a guy that, you know, last year led the nation in total offense before injuries really derailed the back half of his season. So it is mind-boggling because we thought with Tony Elliott there – that was going to be their ticket to a bowl game was just ride the arm of Brennan Armstrong. You could still maybe win six, seven games and lay the foundation for what you want that program to be, and it hasn't come to fruition, which is why Saturday will be, for them, their way to salvage the season, is that with with, with the way this season has gone for them, if they could look on their calendar and say, we beat Carolina – and made them wait a week to clinch a spot in the ACC title game. A loss really, uh, you know, it knocks Carolina completely out of the college football playoff running. It really hinders them chances of getting to a New Year's Six Bowl game. Mm-hmm. That, that's going to be their motivation. And this is a guy that has torched us. He torched us last year. And so he'll be motivated to play. But this is a chance for Carolina to build off that second half and look at an offense and say, you may have talent, but it's not working, and we should be able to impact the game more than more more than we probably would have thought originally entering the season. Well, when you talk about confidence levels of quarterbacks coming in, I mean, we've seen some guys that were struggling coming in against Carolina have some success so far this year. Drew Pine did it. Tyler Van Dyke did it, which Tyler Van Dyke, by the way, I, I mean, he may be done as the starting quarterback at Miami. Mm-hmm. It looks like Jake Garcia may be their guy moving forward. So, I mean, that's one that I think is going to just frustrate Carolina fans even more, although it's a win. Put that one behind you. Brennan Armstrong, I mean, this is completely night and day. So far this season, 55.7% completion percentage, 1,826 yards, six touchdowns all season to nine interceptions. And... This is the thing that I think is notable coming into this game. We don't even know how how active he is going to be in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, because he did get banged up a week ago against Miami. He was in the medical tent for a long, long time in the third quarter um, to the point where they thought they were going to have to put in their backup, Jay Woolfolk, um, who had missed the previous game with a knee injury against Georgia Tech. So... They are beat up at the quarterback position. Doesn't I mean makes sense when you take as many hits as Brennan Armstrong has taken. Uh, it it's it, it makes a lot of sense why they are as beat up as they are. Um, so that could be a factor in this game. But Carolina has to come prepared as if the Brennan Armstrong that showed up last year against them will show up again. One other thing, another big injury note for Virginia. Starting running back Paris Jones, who leads the team in rushing, still a team that's struggling, as you can see, this year to run the football as they were a year ago. He looks like he probably will not be available for this game. So that means that they are going to have to go to backup plans at running back. Uh, Freshman running back Xavier Brown, Mike Hollins, and transfer Ronnie Walker Jr., who we saw a little bit last year, are the guys that are expected to handle the carries in this one, according to Tony Elliott in his press conference earlier this week. Um, So it's a beat-up running game. It's a group that Carolina had a lot of success against a year ago, and I think that needs to be the game plan again for Carolina in this one is to take away that running game because, look, you've done it a couple of times this year where you took away the running game. I thought you even you know after you allowed the touchdown run to Abanacanda uh, on Saturday night that made it 24-14, to 14, I thought Carolina did a good job of really focusing on taking away the run and making Keaton Slovis throw the ball. It's one of the things that they did against Miami that made Miami one-dimensional. They've got to be able to do that again in this game against a group that it should be much easier to do that against than the Miami running game, which came in very successful, and Israel Abanacanda, who came in leading the ACC in rushing. Absolutely, because every opponent Carolina plays the rest of the way their M.O. is going to be to run the ball, shorten the game, and keep Drake May and that offense on the sideline. Give their quarterback, because Carolina, outside of playing Sam Hartman, they're, 
they don't have a a a quarterback that scares you moving forward. So they want to put their quarterback in a position to to really be as successful as possible. And I thought Carolina's run defense it 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 did a lot better than I thought it was going to do last week because you know there was a worry the way the first half went they were going to get run all over and out of their own building. That didn't happen. You tried to you you forced a quarterback try to beat you with his arm, and he proved that he couldn't. And so that's got to be the game plan again this week: is take take away the running game, put them in third and seven, third and eights. So that way, Gene Chizik can disguise his coverages, dial up his blitzes, and try to make Brennan Armstrong beat you. And if if he does, I I, I think you live with that because so far this year he hasn't been able to perform the way that you thought he was going to perform entering the year. And so I think that's got to be the game plan for this week and I guess and for the rest of the way moving forward is take away the running game and make these quarterbacks that are either inexperienced or just not as talented or having the years we thought they were going to have, make those guys try to beat you. Oh, yeah, for sure. And look, it's it's one that you know kind of is a little concerning because of that wide receiving core that you said. Extremely talented group, but because of the struggles – at quarterback with Brennan Armstrong and because of the struggles of that offensive line. They haven't really been as successful as a lot of people thought. A lot of people going into the year, and I was one of these people, this might have been the best receiving core in the ACC. It was very close in terms of the proven uh, you know, the proven guys that are there, the veterans, and just the overall talent. Dontavian Wicks, extremely talented guy who Carolina found out a lot about last year. Same thing with Keaton Thompson, who really hurt Carolina a year ago, the converted quarterback. And then you've got Big Laval Davis, 6'7 receiver, who is finally staying healthy. Um, it has been a long time since Virginia fans have been able to say that. So look, man, they've got they've got that trio. Um, and, and I think that's one of the things that, you know, Carolina has to be able to take away. But my thing is, is that, you know, I, I think Carolina, they, they don't have to worry about a tight end. The biggest thing is, is you cannot allow them to hurt you in the middle of the field. We saw it last week. Dontavian Wicks is that type of guy that can take the top off of a defense. And just, just like Jared Wayne a week ago with that deep post, you have to be able to eliminate that in this game and not allow Brennan Armstrong to carve you up in the middle of the field. If you allow him, look, if he, he's going to want to take those short routes all night, it's simple. Guys just have to tackle. And so far in conference play, they've been doing a better job of that. Now you head over to the defensive side of the ball, and see this is where it's just the complete opposite of a year ago. Last year, the team that you faced in Virginia, one of the worst defensive teams in the entire country, especially their pass defense. Well, a lot of the guys are the same, but completely different scheme. New coaches in there, and it's working out. 21.5 points per game allowed, 340.5 yards of total offense, 192.9 passing yards allowed, 147.6 rushing yards allowed. Most interesting thing about them is, is look, they're only tied for 75th in terms of tackle for law, tackles for loss, but they are tied for 8th in the country in sacks. So a team that has really done a good job of getting to the quarterback so far this year, Chico Bennett, the guy that leads uh Chico Bennett Jr. that is, the guy that leads the charge on the defensive line. A couple other talented guys there. They have some movement at one of their defensive tackle spots. Uh one of their longtime starters there, Ben Smiley, a guy that probably a lot of people probably remember when Carolina was battling for him on the recruiting trail. He is going to be replaced this week, not because of injury or anything like that, but just because of you know what he has shown so far this year. So uh, that that is something that is worth monitoring. But guys that can pressure the quarterback, then you got Nick Jackson, the leader of the defense at middle linebacker, a guy that they like to blitz a lot. He has four sacks so far this season. That's something that Carolina has to be wary of, especially because you saw the linebacker blitz worked for Duke. It worked for Pittsburgh in the first half. So Carolina's got to be able to neutralize that in this game. And then the other thing that is very notable about this team is that their corners, Fentrell Cypress and Anthony Johnson, both having really, really strong seasons, especially Cypress on the outside. Johnson, two interceptions so far this year. Cypress has not picked anybody off, but they have had really good success. So what this tells me is that Carolina, one, 
you know, has to be able, I think, to run the ball a little bit better in this game, especially if you're going to have a good pass rush and good cover corners on the outside. But two, you got to implement some of that short passing game that you did a lot more of in the second half against Pittsburgh early in this game and throughout the entire game. Yeah, because this this defense is going to play. They're going to play aggressive. They're not going to be afraid. Um, you mentioned that the, you know you look at the tape the last couple weeks and the way Duke blitzed Drake May and the when the way Pittsburgh blitzed Drake May, there were times they were successful at getting home. Mm-hmm. Um, the good news is for us is that we got a quarterback who may be young, but he doesn't get phased by anything. But uh, so so and look, that's that's got to be that's got to be the way teams try to attack Carolina because it's been proven if you sit back he's going to pick you apart mm-hmm. so you got to hope at some point he he looks like a redshirt freshman quarterback hopefully he doesn't for us and so I think it's got to be something where yeah you got to run the ball better Mac Brown's been pushing for it I kind of pushed back on it but now he's been proven to be more right that they need to be able to run the ball last week was a good example of it but this really comes down to Phil Longo if he game plans right, I think Carolina's got enough of the right weapons on offense to combat the things they do well defensively. If he comes out and he wants to wait for deep crossing routes and deep passes to come open, might be a long day at the office for this offense. And so I think that's where, you know, so many times the game is won during the week. I think this is another example of that, where the practice, the preparation, and the game plan, and then what it gets executed on Sunday or on Saturday has got to be implemented now. And so it's going to be a nice battle, a good challenge. And this is good for Carolina because if you want to compete with the big boys, you're going to face some better defenses. You know, down the road, you got to you got to see a wake or a, a NC State defense that's still really really good, and you got a potential matchup with Clemson, whose defense, even though the secondary isn't as good, as good a front seven as Carolina is going to see this year. So it'll be a good matchup for Carolina, but we know how confident they are in Drake May in this offense, and I think we expect them to put points up on Saturday once again. Well, let's take a look at the Tar Heel storylines for this game, and I think the biggest one right now that a lot of people have, not just in the Tar Heel fan base, but throughout the country after what we saw earlier this week on Monday, is how does this team deal with the injury issues that they have? Noah Taylor, out for the season. Des Evans also out for the season. And you combine that with Ray Voasik, means Carolina's down three of their defensive line starters from the beginning of the year. The only guy that has started every game so far this season for Carolina on the defensive line will be Miles Murphy. And then the other injury that is significant, and we talked about it on the recap podcast of the Pittsburgh game, is Caleb Hood. What does Carolina do with Caleb Hood not there with a guy that you know was able to give them the receiving threat that they kind of lacked consistently throughout the year uh, in you know the short time that he really had taken over those number one running back role reps. We'll have to see. This this will be a really big element of this game, I think, as well. Yeah, and it's like I said when we recapped the Pittsburgh game. This is where the recruiting's got to show up. And this is why we have we didn't ask we begged for rotation players or rotating players defensively because it's not time to feel sorry for yourself. You've got a lot that you that you can accomplish, and if you if you don't accomplish it, no one wants to hear the injury excuse as a reason why. I think the biggest thing is we're going to find out is you know I I thought Carolina played better without Des Evans and Noah Taylor on the field on Saturday. Was that just an in the moment thing, or was this you know, in a weird way, a blessing in disguise that it gave other guys opportunities who were better suited to be on the football field. We're going to find out on Saturday. Uh, As we lamented as well, though, I think we're more concerned about what this means for the running back room. You you need Elijah Green, DJ Jones, and Amari and Hampton. They They all need to elevate their game because Drake May's rushing stats might look good for his Heisman candidacy. But it's not something you want to keep doing the rest of the way. You want to be able to run the ball with your running backs. Mm-hmm. And so, um, look, Mac Brown has said that you know special players make special teams. If this team wants to be special, they need other guys to step up to keep up this run, and we'll find out if they're ready to do that on both sides of the ball. Yeah, and look, I, I think there should be confidence in the guys that are in this backfield because I think they're talented enough. It's like we said – the other day, 
Amarian Hampton, he is going to be a really, really good player for Carolina. Elijah Green, there is a chance that he could be this year's British Brooks. With what he did in that game against Duke, that was very similar to what we saw from British Brooks late last season when he started to break out. There are capable guys here. And 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 one of the things that I brought up, and I think it, it still rings true, is the fact that you had the battle at the running back position for reps so deep into fall camp is huge because these guys are not foreign to playing with the first-team offense, running behind the first-team offensive line, working with Drake May. That's what's big. The thing that I think is interesting about that running back group is who's going to catch the ball out of the backfield? Because you really don't want to lose that element of this offense, especially if it is going to have to be a lot of quick passes to get the ball out of their hands if they're throwing pressure your way. So I think that's going to be a big element of it. Pass protection, which one of these guys can pass protect? Caleb Hood was pretty good at that as well, had really developed himself. I think DJ Jones is probably your obvious answer there. But look, is there another guy that can step up and show that he can handle himself well in pass protection as well. All those things are going to be big for Carolina at the running back position. And then when it comes to the defensive front, I mean, look, this is the position they recruited the best, really outside of quarterback and maybe wide receiver here these last few classes. Um, that is, it, I mean, we there's a reason we were so excited about this group in the preseason, and we thought to ourselves, man, this could be the group that breaks out and becomes one of the best units on the entire team. Well, now that depth is being tested a little bit. And I think, you know, the good news is is that Cayman Rucker, who is still, you know, was was named a game-time decision on Monday. A uh, couple of people that I've talked to, they've said that it looks like he is sort of trending in the right direction to be able to play. Not really shocking. I think if he has a chance to play, he's going to be out there. One, because we've seen it, extremely competitive guy. Two, he probably knows they need me with the amount of guys that are hurt right now. Um, But it's just, look, I I mean, it's just guys that have to step up. The good news is is that with Ravo Osik, he's already been out for a couple of weeks. So you've got Kevin Hester who's been in there. He's starting to settle into that starter's role, and I thought the other night probably played his best game uh, against Pittsburgh. I thought he did a really good job inside of shedding tackles and making plays. Um, On the edge, yeah, Cayman Rucker's got to continue to be the guy that we've seen, the, the guy that flashes. We need him to be a consistent threat down the stretch of the season. But I think there's also some other guys that give you you know, at least a little bit of stability there um, with a guy like Chris Collins, who's a senior that's been in the system, that's done it before. And then you've got some of the younger guys that I think you feel confident in in terms of what they can bring to the table. Um, and, they, you know, the good news is there's not a lot of tape on those guys. So people are not really going to know how to plan for some of those players that you can throw out there. We've heard Malachi Hamrick probably going to get a look over at the jack position, um, which we heard that back in you know fall camp that they were building in some pass rushing sets for him because he was that good of a pass rusher in high school. So that's very encouraging. Um, you know, at the power end position, we've heard a lot about Javari Ritzy, and he's another guy that can help at defensive tackle as well. But if they need him at that power end spot, I thought he's coming off his best game in a Tar Heel uniform against Pittsburgh on Saturday night, and. You also throw into the equation guys like Jacoby Cowan, who I think is you know is really really talented, has a ton of upside, and I think is starting to settle in. I thought the other night when he was on the field, that's when Carolina's defensive front looked at its best, and I think you're going to see a lot of him moving forward. And they've got even more depth there. Uh, Mac Brown said, "Look, true freshman Bo Atkinson may be a guy that has to factor in at some point." So that is the good news that there is a lot of depth there. It's now about who are the names that actually step up and become, you know, the the, the consistent players for Carolina over these last few weeks. I, I think the next storyline is. Well, can this defense continue the success that they have had in conference? It, I I think they should be able to. I mean, so far this year in conference play, Carolina's second half of the se- uh, second half of games allowing just seven points per game, 
And, you know, th- this is a defense overall uh, that is allowing, you know, just over, I think it's around 23 points per game in conference play, right about where that 2015 defense was. This is the area that we've been asking them to reach for the entire season. We've said, look, we don't need you to be a great defense. We've kind of accepted that that is not going to happen. But if you can be that average defense, if you can be the defense that you were to a certain extent back in 2015, then we think you have a chance to go a long way. And so far in conference play, they're doing that. Yeah, and I think that's that that's what we wanted them to be. And I think after the first month of the year and you get shredded by teams with mediocre to bad offenses, a la App State, a la Notre Dame. Georgia State. <laughs> Georgia State. You were really concerned about that. And I think I think we just expected Gene Chizik to do his magic as early as he did this year as he did in 15. That just didn't happen. For whatever reason, that 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 same – that same magic wasn't there, but now it's starting. It's starting to get there. Where Carolina usually bends, or they usually break on the very first drive of the game, and they make it look easy, and we all get pissed. And then he makes adjustments, and in the second half, when they got to get stops and they got to get off the field, they do that. I've challenged them and challenged them to be able to take over a game. They did that in the second half last week against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's offense, I think, is better than Virginia's. This is a game where I yes. know I know you're without three starters, but if you want to be the type of team you want to be, I'm not saying you come out here and put your shutout. I'm not saying you come out here and give up less than 200 yards. You shouldn't come out and give up a thir- give up a 30 spot. I, I mean, look, maybe it's too much to ask. I would like to see a similar ish performance to what you did against Virginia Tech. Yes, this because I mean, if you this give offense, up 24 or more, I'm gonna be upset because it shouldn't happen. I, I mean, look, this offense and. and it's it's kind of, you know, look, Miami played in the same game, but this offense a week ago did not score a touchdown in the game against the Hurricanes. They played four overtimes. I, I, I mean, that's that's insanity. So this is not an offense that's converting at any sort of high level. Don't, I, I mean, the numbers are not fooling you. This offense is not good. So, yeah, I would like to see that type of performance. Will it happen? Honestly, who knows at this point? Because this is a team that Carolina has struggled against. There is no denying that. But if this defense does come out and put up that type of performance, I think at that point, any doubts that this defense has the capability of being the average defense that we want them to be would be completely out the window. I think at that point, you feel pretty confident that, hey, they're doing what they have to do. They're shutting down these terrible offenses. The offenses that have good quarterbacks, the offenses that can, you know, that that, that can beat you in a in a couple of different ways. They're letting up some yards too, but they're finding ways to make stands when they have to. That's kind of what I want to see in this game for Carolina against Virginia. And then here's the here's the ultimate storyline. Can Carolina solve the woes that they have had at times in Charlottesville? Look, they had, as I mentioned, they had that stretch from 2010 to 2016 where they won four times in Charlottesville. But Mac Brown himself has never gone into Scott Stadium and beaten Virginia. This has to be the moment for Mac Brown and, the, and, and Carolina to get it done because this is a season that, look, there are games down the stretch that can derail your season. Not, I wouldn't even say derail. If you lose to Wake Forest, that's not derailing your season. This is one that could complete that 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 could take your season completely off the tracks. And Carolina's got to avoid this. They cannot let the fact that they have struggled in this building affect them that much. Yeah, and, and you know, look, you you lose this game, it it, it, it you, you you have to wait another week to clinch the ACC Coastal and. You run the risk of this thing turning sideways from a mental aspect. This could be very similar to 2016 if you lose this game. Exactly. And so you look, you, you haven't lost a game on the road all year, uh, which was a big, big thing for this team because last year they, they literally uh, were a different team away from home and they crumbled in, in environments. 
so this is just another chance to prove that this program is trending in the right direction and that they can handle these types of moments because now there's pressure. There's pressure to perform. There's pressure to win. Well, you know, whether you're at home or away from home. And, you know, this is this is a chance for Mac, Mac Brown to continue to rewrite his narrative as Carolina's head coach. Because if, if you win the game, it'll, it, you know, it'll be, well, he got over the hump of, of this. If it doesn't, it's, well, Mac Brown can never win at Virginia. We don't want to be talking about that when we're talking about him being done as the Tar Heels head coach. And so um, I think it's something that it, it needs to be addressed. Like it, it shouldn't be the elephant in the room. You talk about it, you prepare for it. That way, whenever you win the game, you celebrate accordingly. Yeah, the good news is is that, look, Carolina came into this season with some some woes on the road as well. They've solved those woes so far this season, have not lost a game away from Chapel Hill after going winless away from Keenan Stadium a year ago. And we talked about, you know, heading into last week, the by, the post-bye week struggles that Carolina had had. Had not won a game after a bye week under Mac Brown. And they found a way to get that done. So maybe this is the next one that he can break, and hopefully it is. We're going to take a quick break. We'll let you hear this week's ad from DraftKings. And then when we come back, guys, it is time for us to give you the keys to the game against the Cavaliers and our predictions for Saturday afternoon's game. You don't want to miss it. Stick around right here on this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast back right after this. Your kicker's lining up for an onside kick. The chances of regaining possession are slim. The stakes are high and the tension is higher. Your pulse is racing. He kicks and you watch as the ball lands. Make every play feel this exciting with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL and their unbeatable offers. Right now, new customers can make any $5 NFL bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Maybe you want to bet on one of your favorite Tario players. Maybe you like Michael Carter and his matchup for the Jets that week. Or maybe you want to bet on the total number of tackles that Cole Holcomb will have in a game. You can do all that on DraftKings Sportsbook. To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TPPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Just place a $5 bet on any football game only at DraftKings Sportsbook using the promo code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. There are plenty of ways to find out everything that you need to know about Tar Heel football and basketball. Just go to Facebook, search at Heel Tough Blog, and find the Heel Tough Blog Facebook page and like it. When you do everything, the articles, the podcasts, all in one central location on your timeline. Not a big Facebook user? Head over to Twitter. At Heel Tough Blog on Twitter, make sure you give it a follow, and you can follow the personal pages of our talents here at the Heel Tough Blog, at HTB Anthony for Anthony Pagnata, myself at HTB underscore Josh for Josh Marlowe, and at Hack Zubber two for our recruiting analyst Zach Hubbard. Guys, welcome back in Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Anthony Pagnata, Josh Marlowe, with you. Let's do the keys to the game for this one against Virginia. First one I wrote down, and look, we talked about really shutting down this running game and making Brennan Armstrong beat you. But I don't have that as the key. My thing is is that when Brennan Armstrong is back there slinging it around, you have to be able to get pressure on him. When Carolina's defense was at its best last weekend against Pitt, It was because they were getting after the quarterback. And this is exactly what this team has to be able to do in this game against Virginia. This is a Virginia offensive line that is struggling about as much as any in the country in terms of just the sheer amount of pressure they are giving up to their quarterback. You have to be able to capitalize. I know you're shorthanded on that defensive line, but you were shorthanded the other night against an offensive line for Pittsburgh that is much better than the one that you will face on Saturday, and you had plenty of success, that has to carry over. Yeah, because you don't want to run the risk of not getting pressure on Armstrong. 
and all of a sudden he finds that gear he was in last year and he starts picking you apart. Well, you're going to have those deep throws down the middle of the field that could be open because, as we've said, again, we we are just we are just numb to the safety problems at this point. We know they're there. They're never going to be able to help over the top. It just doesn't happen. It, it isn't safe how little faith we have in our actual safeties. You suck. It's it, it's you a it's, suck, man. It it is a unsafe place to this be in just... watching these safeties try to play adequate okay. football. Move on, <laughs> move on from the safe analogies. Yeah. Let's let let's move on. Well, I mean, like, look, you you, you don't want to come out and play a safe game plan, and this guy all of a sudden yeah. throws for five hundred yards and four tutties on you. So you've got you've got to win up front, and that was something. They did a really good job of of last week. You go back and check out the PFF grades that someone in their mom's basement put together. They're really good. Let's see if that carries over again this week. If Carolina wins at the point of attack, it leads to them being able to take over and impact the game defensively. And that's what we want to see this week because they did that the last 22 minutes of, of last week's game in Chapel Hill. Let's carry that on the road into Scott Stadium. Yeah, and, and I I mean it makes it, look it makes perfect sense, and I think the big thing is is Carolina's got to be able to limit the big plays from Virginia. The way they did it a week ago, it wasn't because their secondary stepped up; it was because they got pressure on the quarterback. That's the way that you limit the big plays, which have hurt Carolina at times this year, a la the game against Notre Dame. Uh Second one I got on there, establish the quick passing game. And we talked about it a little bit earlier, but it's just so important because this defense for Virginia, they have had a ton of success getting to the quarterback so far this year. You've seen teams that haven't exactly had a ton of success. They've had good success, both Duke and Pittsburgh. But these were teams that coming in, you know, we're not near the top of the country. They they sure as hell put a lot of pressure on you, especially in the first half of both of those games. Carolina's got to be able to establish that quick that quick passing game early, get the ball out quickly, let some of these guys make plays. Man, Josh Downs is as electric as it gets in open space. Antoine Green, I thought, did a really good job the other night when he had the football in his hands on some of those routes. And look, even if Bryson Nesbitt can't play, man, we saw what Kamari Morales did the other night. John Copenhaver has had some really good moments for you. And hopefully there is a running back that steps up. You've got more than enough weapons, though, to be able to establish that quick passing game and lean on it from the word go. Yeah, get get guys like Josh Downs, Antoine Green, get them involved. But also, this is a good way to utilize your tight ends. Maybe if you have a Kobe Pesor or a Gavin Blackwell, JJ Jones was out there the other night. Get those guys involved. It gets the it gets the pass rush. You know, it it, it makes them hesitate. It, it it'll open up the running game for you, and it just it does so much for you. It gets your quarterback in a rhythm. It just settles everything down. And I thought that was something that it's one of the best adjustments that Phil Longo's made in in a game since he's been our offensive coordinator was. Quit waiting to get that ball 15, 20 yards down the field. Throw it two yards. Tackling is bad in today's football. Make a guy miss a tackle, and you're going to get the 15 to 20 yards anyway. And so hopefully we come out with that same game plan as opposed to Drake May sitting back there, tapping the ball, waiting for somebody to come open. Because as you talked about, they got two of the best corners you're going to find in the ACC. Strategically take your shots. I know there's going to be ones there. They've been there all season long. You've got two of the better deep threats right now in the Power Five in terms of yards per catch and Antoine Green and J.J. Jones. But be measured with the shots that you take down the field because they're going to be there, especially if you can get that quick passing game going. But you're right. When... This offense struggled against Notre Dame, and when it struggled at other times this year, I think it's been in large part because they have gone back to some of the things that they did a year ago, where it was either big play or no play. And that's what you've got to be able to avoid, getting into that mindset again in this one. 
you want to be able to sort of carry over what you did in that game against Pittsburgh. Last one I've got on here, and this one is always seems to be key when you get into these road games, these places where you've struggled. You got to limit the mistakes, and that means turnovers and penalties. You do not want to give this Virginia team opportunities in this game, and especially with the with the struggles that they've had. On offense, if they can create turnovers against you and limit the possessions that you have, um, if 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 you take penalties that are going to continue some of their drives when the their, their offense uh, is you know getting ready to head off the field, those are the types of things that can hurt you in this game. I got to tell you, I think Carolina has done a really really good job of handling this since really the Notre Dame game, but in that one. I think that was just the game you got beat down in. But early in the season, first two games of the year primarily, you had some moments like that where you allowed drives to continue unnecessarily. I think Carolina has really grown up in that area. I think that the coaching staff deserves a lot of credit for that. I think more importantly, the players, the leaders on this team deserve a lot of credit for that. They have to be able to continue the success that they have had with limiting those mistakes in this one. This team has done a really good job at being mentally tough away from away from Keenan Stadium. Now is not the time for a relapse. Mm-hmm. This isn't the time to come out here and commit some stupid-ass penalty or have some turnover because that's the big reason why they haven't won in, in Charlottesville the last couple years under Mac Brown. It hasn't been always because Virginia's been better. It's been a large part that Carolina put themselves in a position to lose the game, and Virginia capitalized. That was a big part of what happened two years ago. If you go back and remember that disaster of, of a game for Carolina with Sam Howell and company, and so um, it, it's got to be something where now that you're, you know, you always say about October is for pretenders, November is for uh, contenders. We think this team is a contender. Contending teams don't lose games on the road against bad football teams. That's what Virginia is. The best way to avoid that is to not turn the ball over, to not to not commit too many penalties. If Carolina does that along with our two other keys, we should be talking about a comfortable win come Monday on the pod. All right. Well, let's get the predictions in here, buddy. I'll let you go first because last week, because of how we had to do it, uh, you had to send in your score prediction, which I did get in there on the podcast. But this week you get to give it in person what you got. I'm a believer in what this team did in the second half. You know my favorite part of these score predictions, by the way? I love the sigh, three-second pause, and then the decision. Well, because I wa- I'm waiting to see if we're on the same page. I mean, this is tense. This is like deal or no deal or something like that. I mean... I'm a believer in what this team did in the second half. Had they not done that, I would have come on here and predicted another close shootout. It shouldn't be. Not if Carolina is the team that we think they are what the playoff committee thinks they are, ranking them 17th, mm-hmm. and what Mac Brown is saying this team is becoming. He thinks they're a special team. I think they're they're twin, they're trending towards that as well. I got Carolina 38-17. It Ooh. should not be close. Man. If they're the team we think they are, if not, I'll come on here and once again challenge them to beat because Virginia isn't good. I think we're good. Good football teams beat bad football teams in convincing fashion. That's what it should be on Saturday. Give you me need, the heels and a route. You need a T-shirt that says that, by the way. I mean, the amount of times that you have said that so far this year is stunning. Also, we need chances to capitalize on monetary opportunities. If anybody would be interested in buying said T-shirt, please let us know. I'm a great model, too, by the way. Very photogenic. That is the biggest lie I have ever heard. And again, I can go back to your ACC Media Day photo to prove that that is not true. Mm. Also, have you ever smiled in a picture? Um, Smiling is for cowards. Okay. Well, there's your answer right there, folks. That's why he would not be modeling that. I'm going to be honest. I would not be modeling that either, considering that I have the gut of a starting guard. So, yeah, you know, it, we'll, we'll, we'll work on that. We'll work on that, though. Um, but look for for my prediction. Look, we're in about we're, we're in about the same area. Yeah, I'm with you. I think this should be. I'm not going to say this should be a cakewalk because look, this defense for Virginia is legit. This is a good defense. We've seen some other teams that Carolina's faced 
earlier in the season that had statistically good defenses, but they hadn't they they frankly hadn't played anybody. Well, now you're look, you're eight games into the season. Virginia is five games into their conference season. No, this defense is is pretty good. They do some really good things. I, I think it's one of those games again. I think first half this will be a close game. There will be some moments where you will say to yourself, "Oh, please do not let this happen." But I think when it matters the most, this offense will take over. I think it'll be very similar to what you saw in the second half against Duke primarily that third quarter and in the second half against Pittsburgh. I think Carolina pulls away in this one. I have it very similar score to you. I have 35-17. to 17. I think Carolina pulls away uh, but doesn't score as many points as they have in recent weeks. Well, There you go, guys. There's our predictions for the game against Virginia. Hey, make sure you head over to the website, HeelToughBlog.com. We're going to have the preview up there for you guys, getting you ready for this week's game. It's going to be back to the in-depth one for you guys. I'm going to make sure that I get that one up there. Uh, and uh, it, it's we're going to have everything that you need to know in that one area, especially uh, very key injury report uh, in there. Hopefully, we will have some sort of news about Cayman Rucker, uh, sort of you know maybe confirming. Usually, that doesn't happen, but at least you know some some more chatter about what they think is ultimately going to happen with him and Bryson Nesbitt. Of course, injury reports on what is happening with the Virginia players that are banged up, especially on that offensive side of the ball. And, uh, of course, we'll have everything else in there for you as we normally do, the team breakdowns, uh, the stat breakdowns, as well as the expected starters and all the TV information. All that great stuff uh, will be in that preview for you guys. After the game, make sure you keep an eye out. Recap as well as the stock report, trench report, uh, Ashton's analysis, as well as the press conference takeaways uh, from Mac Brown's press conference on Monday. Make sure you guys are checking all that out. HeelToughBlog.com. Also, while you're there, it is time for Carolina basketball. They start on Monday night against UNCW. That's right. It is right around the corner, and we have you covered wall-to-wall with everything that you need to know to get you ready for the start of this season. A couple more articles coming from Ashton, uh, getting you ready by looking at some of the starters for this team this season, as well as we do have a new writer that is coming on with us here. He is going to have his first-ever article preview on the website later on this week. We will make an official announcement uh, coming up, so make sure you guys are keeping an eye out for that on the social media platforms, but keep an eye out on the website for our newest writer. Won't say his name just yet, but we'll make sure that we shout him out next week on the podcast and really introduce him to the family. So uh, make sure you guys are are, are keeping an eye on social media for that. And then Josh, of course, he's going to have you covered uh, when it comes to the game against UNC Wilmington, he'll have the preview for you. He'll also do the recap of that game as well. So uh, all that stuff, HeelToughBlog.com. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the podcast. Uh, once again, want to thank Josh for hosting with me. Want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. Hey guys, Anthony here. We want to thank you guys for listening to this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. If you could, make sure you head over to wherever you listen to your podcast, find out where you can rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, and go ahead and do that for us. The rating and reviewing, that helps us to move up some of those rankings, and the subscribing, that is for you, so you don't miss any editions of the podcast coming up. We look forward to you being a part of the Heel Tough Blog podcast family moving forward, and thank you once again for listening to this edition.